and welcome to Laying the Points, brought to you by my bookie and the FFPC. My name is Matt LaMarca. You can find me on Twitter at Matt LaMarca. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Kyle Dvorak, who you can find on Twitter at KyleTweetsHere. Kyle, what's up, man? Yeah, we were talking about it before show. I fought tooth and nail after you took an early season lead. Uh, we both ended with very positive on the on the year. If you calculate us both at a minus one ten or like a minus one ten vig, uh, which you know it's pretty fallible where some lines lie, but roughly that's a good estimate. Uh, I believe it was on the dot. I was a six point one percent positive ROI, and you were literally six point one six point one four percent in terms of win percentage. You won fifty five point eight four percent, and I won fifty five point seven percent. Although I did lose, I came damn close at the end, and uh, we both made the the people some money. And that's kind of that's at the end of the day. That's what we yeah. care about. If you uh, if you invested with us, you came out on top, and that's kind of uh, really all I can be excited about. And we're going to carry that into the playoffs, I think. I hope so, because last week was a bit of a disappointment, not how I wanted to end the season. Uh, I went 1-4. You were slightly better at 2-3, and three, but still not uh, how we wanted to end what has been a pretty good year overall. So hopefully we can pick it back up with the wild card round. Uh, I also want to apologize for my audio last week. Uh, I sounded like I was in a tin can when I listened back, and I realized that I never set up my microphone. Well, I set it up, but I never changed it to be, like, the default audio input. So uh, that's on me. I uh, have it set up properly today, so everything should be good to go. Uh, Before we get into the wildcard games, I just want to remind everybody about the FFPC Playoff Challenge. Uh, Our friends at the FFPC want to remind you that the fantasy season is not over. They have the longest running and most unique playoff contest in the fantasy football universe. The FFPC Playoff Challenge, $200 to enter, and this year the grand prize is up to half a million bucks with over $1.1 million in the total prize pool. There's no salary cap cap and no draft to worry about. You simply choose 10 players to make up your roster. There is a catch, of course. You're only allowed to use one player from each NFL team. That means if you choose Tom Brady as your quarterback, you may not have any other Patriots on your roster. This will be your roster for the entirety of the playoffs, including the Super Bowl. No changes, substitutions, or free agent pickups. So as NFL teams get knocked out, so will your players. So that's where the strategy in this contest comes in, and I think that it's a a really, really good one. I'm always excited to be a part of it. This contest will sell out as it does every year. Registrations will close on Wildcard Saturday, January 4th at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Don't wait. Go to MyFFPC.com and get your team now. That's MyFFPC.com. Okay, so before we get into the individual games, I wanted to just dive in and look at some really generic trends and see if there was any sort of edge uh, one way or the other that we could look at as a default. And there really wasn't anything here. So this is all since uh, 2002. But underdogs, 32-29-3 and three in the wild card round. Uh, road teams, again, 32-29-3. and three. And contrarian teams, teams getting less than 50% of the betting tickets, 29-32-3 against the spread. So you don't need to necessarily be super contrarian to make a profit in this round of the playoffs is what I'm taking away from this. 
Uh, you know, I, I still think that you don't want to be typically backing, you know, very public teams, but so far, at least, it looks like that hasn't killed you in the wild card round. Yeah, so two things I get from this. One has nothing to do with this. It's actually that at Player Profiler, I have an FFPC playoff breakdown. You can check that out. You can also check out, uh, I believe it's Pat Corains at Rotoviz. He has ownership projections, and that's kind of the crux of this 6,500-man tournament. But just remember, whoever's you read, you are picking sides, and we will probably have some sort of gladiator gladiator death fight over uh, over who's better. And two, uh, contrarian teams, that, that hurts us. Like, we are big on the contrarian teams, but the, the upspin is that both teams that we do like in terms of road teams and underdogs that we have kind of favored throughout the season, that is where we're looking at. So I don't think for us, at least there should be as much as an emphasis on the, like, you know, 20% of the bets going to X team, but more so the, the general things we've been going with, uh, the road teams and the underdogs, which we favored this season, I'm going to probably continue to favor throughout the playoffs. Yes. Both of those situations have crushed. I saw road teams in particular, finished the season with like a plus 10% ROI, betting every single road team. So that uh, makes them quite possibly the most profitable that road teams have been since we started tracking this data at Bet Labs. But certainly in the top couple of years, it's been a really, really good year for road teams. So let's click kick it off here with the Saturday games. We're starting at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. We've got the Buffalo Bills. They are headed to Houston to take on the Texans. The Texans are two and a half point favorites. Total on this game is 44 points. A couple things to keep in mind here. The Bills were 22nd in offensive DVOA, 6th in defensive DVOA, and 21st in special teams DVOA. Houston finished 17th on offense, 26th on defense, and 5th in special teams. Buffalo was undefeated against the spread on the road, 6-0-2. That kind of goes along with uh, what we were talking about earlier with road teams being profitable this year. Houston was one of the worst teams in the league at home, just 2-6 and six against the spread. So uh, the way I'm looking at this matchup, like there is a lot to consider here. Uh, and I have a couple of trends that I really like, but they are conflicting in this game, unfortunately. So... I'm curious to see uh, just what you think about this game to start with. So I believe that probably about halfway through the season, we talked about how the Bills, uh, given the way they've played, they've beaten up a lot of bad teams, not done great against teams like New England, who they lost to twice. Although I believe the second time they played New England, had they gone for it on like a, a late fourth down, like had they not taken the more cowardly route, like the game was, they could have won the game. So, uh, but still, like, not really done great against the great teams. Uh, another team they lost to was Baltimore. So not done great against the great teams, done well against the bad teams, sort of Dallas-esque. Uh, and Houston on, the other hand, Houston, on the other hand, I think at least has the edge in terms of, like, offensive firepower and defense I don't care as much about. So I kind of like Houston in the spot, especially uh, the two-and-a-half line, uh, depending on your book, came down from three, moving off that key number. So I would like to take it at two-and-a-half. Three, I'd be much more hesitant on. So uh, assuming you're betting at my bookie, which is what we're doing, I, I actually like this one at two and a half for Houston. Yeah, so my big concern here is I'm just not sure that Houston is a particularly good football team, right? Like that's their reputation is that they're a good football team. But if you look at their Pythagorean win total, they were actually outscored this season. So uh, even though they finished uh, 10 and 6, their Pythagorean expectation is closer to 8 and 8. It actually checks in with like 7.8 wins. So uh, while Houston, 
you know, has the superior record or at least has the reputation of being the better team. I'm just not sure I see it that way. And the DVA numbers, DVOA numbers kind of agree with that. They make this spread closer to a pick or even Buffalo as slight favorites. Uh, one trend that I, that I cooked up here that I really like is fading teams in the playoffs that were lucky during the regular season. So uh, if you look at teams who underperformed or overperformed their Pythagorean uh, win expectation by between 10 and 30%, though, if you fade those teams in the playoffs, you would have gone 46, 26, and 1 against the spread. That's nearly a 64% uh, cover rate and a return on investment of just under 25%. So this trend has been really, really powerful. And the Texans fit that description. Their Pythagorean uh, win rate is 13.1% lower than their actual win rate. So that's one thing that I'm definitely taking into to, uh, consideration here. I think that Houston's overvalued. And I like the Bills in this spot, especially when you factor in Josh Allen's success as a road underdog. In his career, he's 7-2-2 two two against the spread as a road underdog. So... Those are things that uh, are kind of pushing me into the direction of the Buffalo Bills. Another thing that I like is that Buffalo's defense in particular has been really good against number one wide receivers this year. So they are second in DVOA against number one wide receivers. Uh, You know, if you look at that Texans offense, right, like we consider them to be pretty potent, but... It's really DeAndre Hopkins and then a bunch of other guys. Like, I'm not trying to knock Will Fuller. He's a solid player, right? But if you can stop DeAndre Hopkins, this this uh, Houston pass attack looks a heck of a lot more vulnerable. And Buffalo has done a better job against number one receivers this year than anybody except New England. So that's another factor that I sort of like here uh, for the Bills. Yeah, so you were uh, literally the reason for the awkward pause there is because you were on a heater and I did not want to let you stop. But just to add to a few things you said there, uh, in terms of how much DeAndre Hopkins has meant to this team, uh, he is 22nd in the NFL in Dominator rating. So I believe that's just a mixed percentage of uh, touchdowns and yards that a team gets or that a player gets of their team. Uh, 28% of the touchdowns and yards have come through DeAndre Hopkins. And I know for a fact that his numbers personally spike whenever Will Fuller is out, which is what it looks like is going to happen again. So I'd imagine if you were able to split that, that that uh, even like, you know, probably shoots up to, I would imagine probably top 10 in terms of how much of his offense he controls. And Tredavious White, just absolute baller. He is uh, the number 15 cornerback in PFS rankings. He is, uh, expect, I would imagine he plays mostly on Hopkins with Fuller, like I said, looking like he's going to be out. And ironically, I would think that uh, Kenny Stills makes somewhat of a difference whenever he plays for Will Fuller in that same role. He's peaked out at like 52 yards and he's missed all but like, you know, a handful of snaps in the games Will Fuller's not played. He just, as much as he plays the same role, he does not fill that void. So I do think uh, the matchup for like DeAndre Hopkins, Tre'Davious White is going to be one of the bigger ones of the entire slate. So uh, I, I like I like the heat you brought with that one. And uh, yeah, I I struggle too. I'm a big Pythagorean like win expectation. I am backing off of my Houston love at least a little bit as of right now. Yeah, the one thing that makes me nervous here is uh this is a really big one. Like I don't want to downplay the importance of this trend because I think it's really important. So 
Quarterbacks making their first playoff start since 2002 have been awful. 12-31-1 against the spread when they're facing a quarterback with some playoff experience. That will be the case here with Josh Allen versus Deshaun Watson. So uh, road underdogs in specific are just 4-10 and against the spread. So you have to kind of weigh all these factors in this game. Uh, I think that I'm still leaning Buffalo just because I do believe that this spread is off. Like, I would have, you know, this much closer to a pick'em in line with the DVOA numbers. But again, like, you're going to have to have Josh Allen show up and play well. And history suggests that, that that doesn't always happen for QBs making their first start in the postseason. All right, next game on Saturday, 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time. We have the Tennessee Titans at the New England Patriots. Patriots are favored by five points. Total sits at 44 and a half. Uh, The Titans have been really quietly like an offensive juggernaut since Ryan Tannehill took over. They're sixth in offensive DVOA. And I would bet that if you look at the numbers from when Tannehill in specific took over, they would be even better than that. Uh, But they're 16th in defensive DVOA and 29th in special teams. The Pats are 11th in offense, 1st in defense, 11th in special teams. Titans 5-3 and three against the spread on the road this season. Patriots 3-4-1 and one at home. So, Kyle, do you have a lean in this contest? I don't like this is, I mean, this is, uh, I've kind of looked at this slate mostly through a DFS slate, but this is kind of the entire crux of, as of right now, at least the wildcard round, the playoffs. You've got Ryan Tannehill, who I believe is uh, second in touchdown rate. He is first in adjusted yards per attempt. He's first by a wide margin. He yep. is at 10.2 adjusted yards per attempt. The next closest is Matt Stafford at 9.1, then Lamar Jackson at 8.9. I mean, his quarterback rating through the roof, 117, that leads the league. It's just no matter how you slice it, Ryan Tannehill has been an absolute baller. And still something in my heart just says it's going to be another New England game because on the on the downside, Ryan Tannehill has still done one of the marquee Ryan Tannehill things. He takes sacks. Man, does he take sacks. He is at a 9.8% sack rate. That is second in the NFL, only behind Dwayne Haskins, who is a 12.5. Like it is outside of like the outlier that is Dwayne Haskins. Ryan Tannehill, for all he has done this season, still takes sacks. And New England is eighth in the NFL, 2.9 sacks per game. And I just, like, I want to say that if you give Bill Belichick a week to prepare for a guy who he's seen multiple times throughout his career while Ryan Tannehill is in Miami, I think he'll be able to get the better of him. Do I feel confident in that, given the way that uh, New England has played? I believe they are 4-4 four and four over the last eight games they've played. And they haven't topped, I believe it's 24 points once in those games outside of playing the Bengals, where they hit, I believe, like 34-37. So outside of playing literally the worst team in the NFL, their offense has gotten nothing going. So I, I still want to say that it's uh, it's New England when they face an opponent they've seen, or at least a quarterback they've seen before, who takes a lot of sacks, which is what they do well. So I will go New England, but I have there is so little confidence in me at this point. Yeah, I really think that that's what this matchup boils down to, right? It's how does the Patriots offense score points against the Titans defense? Um, the Titans D is just middle of the pack, right? They've been more of an offensive team since Tannehill took over. Uh, If you look at the over in 10 Tannehill starts this year, the over is 9-1. and So not only are they scoring points, but they're allowing points. I I think that offense slows down 
quite a bit against New England. I mean, they are maybe not the defensive juggernaut that we thought they were at the beginning of the year when they were scoring like multiple times a week. And, you know, like I think they didn't allow a touchdown in their first three or four games. That had more to do with the schedule than anything, but they're still the best defensive team in the league. And I do agree with Belichick, uh, you know, having the advantage against Tannehill. So I was hoping that the Patriots would kind of be a little bit more of a contrarian target. You know, like right now, the betting the betting action on this game is exactly 50-50. So uh, people aren't as scared of the Patriots as I thought they were going to be. You know, I kind of thought everybody would be fading the Pats after they lost to Miami last week. But it seems like, uh, you know, the public isn't too scared off quite yet. I, I will be backing the Patriots here. Tom Brady as a home favorite in the playoffs is 12-9 and nine against the spread. Uh, you know, their their struggles historically in the playoffs, the Patriots, that is, have come in the Super Bowls. You know, like, even when they are winning the game, they aren't necessarily covering in that situation. So I like the Pats to get the job done here. Uh, Ryan Tannehill also fits that you know, quarterback making his first start in the postseason trend that I mentioned uh, in the previous game. And he's not just facing a quarterback with playoff experience. He's facing, you know, arguably the greatest quarterback in the postseason that we've ever seen. So the combination of that, Bill Belichick, uh, this Pats defense in general, and the fact that the Titans offense just, or the Titans defense hasn't played a ton of great D recently, that pushes me into the direction of the New England Patriots. I do think that the total here is interesting because, you know, I mentioned that the the Titans under Tannehill have been an over machine, but there are some really strong trends about there out there about backing the under in postseason games that are outdoors. And New England certainly qualifies as outdoors. It's probably going to be pretty freaking cold at 815 at night in that contest. So. Uh, I'm not, you know, 100% sure if the Titans over Mojo will continue here. I would probably lean the under as well in this contest, in addition to taking the Patriots. All right, before we move on, I want to take a second to talk about our friends over at MyBookie. This is truly one of the best times of the year for a sports fan. We've got the NFL playoffs. The college football championship is right around the corner. We've got NBA and NHL in full swing. And of course, many, many other sports to choose from. Uh, including like darts. I've been uh, watching some darts recently. If you haven't had any darts action down, you're really missing out. It's a great sweat. Uh, if you are looking to get in on the action, make sure to check out my bookie. They have the most lines available in the business. You got sides, totals, money lines, uh, parlays, teasers, player prop bets. There really is something for every type of better to choose from. And if you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to a thousand bucks. That means if you deposit two thousand, you get an extra one thousand in free money to play with. Just use promo code Rotoviz to activate the offer. Once again, promo code Rotoviz to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Just visit MyBookie.ag today. MyBookie, you play, you win, and you get paid. All right, moving on to Sunday, uh, one o'clock. We have the Vikings at the Saints. The Saints are favored by eight making this the largest point spread of the week. We also have the largest total of the week at 49.5 points. So I mentioned that uh, betting outdoor games, the under on outdoor games has been profitable. 
Betting the over on Drew Brees in the Superdome has been money in the bank. Doesn't matter if it's the playoffs or the regular season. Uh, Brees, for his career, 66-47-2 on the over in the Dome, including 5-2 and two in the playoffs. Uh, just some quick matchup info. Vikings are 10th in offensive DVOA, 7th in defensive DVOA, 15th in special teams. Saints are 4th on offense, 11th on defense, and 3rd on special teams. The Vikings are 4-4 four four against the spread on the road. The Saints are 4-4 four four against the spread at home. So I, this is a tough one for me because I do love the Saints. They're my pick to win the Super Bowl right now. But at the same time, I think the Vikings might be getting a little bit disrespected here. There's only one team playing this weekend that ranks top 10 in both offensive and defensive DVOA, and that's the Minnesota Vikings. So I personally think eight points might be a little bit too many, but I also don't really want to go against Drew Brees in the Dome. So Kyle, do you have any thoughts on this contest? Yeah, I think you you articulated my thoughts against the eight point spread very well, but I do think there's still some value in going over the forty nine and a half. Uh, both these teams uh, are, I believe, nine and seven against the over under in the games they played this season, and specifically the Saints are actually their their defense allows, I believe, it's like twenty two point nine. It's it's over twenty two points per game and under twenty points per game. Uh, that's at home versus on the road, they allow more points to their opponents on uh, on their home turf in the Superdome because, as as Matthew Freeman says, it is the course field of fantasy football. It's like they, they just put up so many yards. I believe the Saints put up 420 on the dot yards when they play at home. It is just a, a petri dish of fantasy football yardage, points, and offensive goodness. And, of course, both these teams are also uh, – as the home team, the Saints are four and I believe they are uh, even four and four against uh, the over under, but they do average the over. And of course, Minnesota five and three was one of the larger. It's a three point eight spread against the total when they're away. So everything to me uh, points to this being an over game. And this line has actually moved. It opened at a pretty reasonable forty seven. Now it's up to forty nine and a half. Uh, and it's still at other books I've seen has gone up to 50. So I still think there's a bit of value to go at 49 and a half. In terms of the spread, I think I agree with you that I would take the Vikings. It just seems a bit disrespectful to have them be the largest spread at my, or I guess plus eight, uh, probably of the playoffs, barring that all of the favorites make it through. I would imagine this will be the largest spread we see in the playoffs. I think that's a bit disrespectful to them, but I still feel very good about the 49 and a half. You know, if you can find it lower too, I think that's exactly where you want to get it. Yeah, I, I agree. That's my favorite bet in this game. Uh, I will say that the Saints also fit that Pythagorean win trend that I mentioned, uh, but I'm not reading as much into that because they won 13 games during the regular season. Like It's hard to live up to a, a win total of 13 games in terms of just points scored and points allowed. So, you know, their Pythagorean record is 10.7 and 5.3. So maybe they are a little bit overvalued at the moment, but I still think that this is one of the best teams in football with maybe, you know, the best quarterback in football. Like, I know that Drew Brees hasn't gotten as much pub as Lamar Jackson and, and uh, you know, Russell Wilson, guys like that. But I don't know. In the playoffs, I still might rather have Drew Brees in the Dome compared to anybody in the league. Like, that guy is just so efficient and he just gets the job done. Uh, you know, basically whenever he's playing at home, it feels like. Yeah, and one of the things, just before we move off this game, that I'd like to add is Minnesota, one of the reasons I would 
I would have been concerned about them is they've been kind of struggling with health, especially when you look at their offensive skill positions. Adam Thielen's been back for two games. He has seven targets. He's only got three balls and 27 yards. And for a guy like Adam Thielen, who's known for his hands and his route running to catch three of seven passes and convert 27 yards, not great, but he did get to rest the entire week 17. So he gets two weeks of rest going into the playoffs, as well as Dalvin Cook, who gets, I believe, three, exactly three weeks of rest. I think as far as if you, especially if you want to bet the over, the, the Minnesota offense is as good as they're ever going to look coming into this game in terms of late, like late season teams, every team's dealing with injuries. They got to rest week 17. They've rested Dalvin Cook multiple weeks. I think this is probably the best chance you're going to get to bet either Minnesota against the spread or their total, the game total is. Yes, agreed. All right, last game of the week, 4.40 p.m. Eastern time on a Sunday. We have the Seattle Seahawks. They are favored by two points on the road against the Philadelphia Eagles. This is the only road favorite of the week. The total here sits at 45 and a half. And I think that this is the most interesting game of the week, uh, in my opinion. The Seahawks have been good offensively. They're fifth in offensive DVOA. They're 18th in defensive DVOA, 20th on special teams. Philly is 14th offensively, 12th defensively, and 19th in special teams. Uh, Seattle 5-2-1 and one against the spread on the road. Philly is 3-5 and five against the spread at home. So, uh, believe it or not, this is Carson Wentz's playoff debut. Uh, I'm not entirely sure how that's possible. I guess it's just because he's hurt going into the playoffs like every year. You know, it feels like the Eagles have been kind of a mainstay. But this is uh, Carson Wentz's first appearance in the playoffs. So, Seattle has kind of outperformed their record all year. Do you like them to get the job done against the Eagles? Yeah, I kind of do. I mean, the first time these teams matched up, of course, it's one game. It's hard to really put much into that. But it was in Philly. Uh, Seattle had to travel again. So it's a similar game in that sense. It was 17-9. And the Seahawks offense, surprisingly, despite like Russell Wilson being the god Russell Wilson, didn't really do much. And the Eagles were so heavily reliant on Zach Ertz, caught 12 passes for 91 yards and scored their only touchdown of the game. I, I would be utterly shocked if he played. He's dealing with a lacerated kidney and I believe fractured, if not broken ribs. Um, they, like he's been logging limited practices, but I don't think one, as a human being, it makes sense for him to play through that. But two, it just doesn't seem like any of the reports have said that he's uh, awfully likely to play. And even if he does, I don't, I, I struggle to see him being the Zach Ertz that we're used to if he's literally dealing with a kidney that has a giant slice through it and ribs that are broken into little dust pieces. So when they played previously, he was their entire offense, and now they're going to play without him. They're playing without some of their other playmakers like Nelson Aguilar. I mean, he's not really a playmaker. He's not very good. But uh, <laughs> Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun, players like Deshaun Jackson, Miles Sanders dealing with a low ankle sprain expects to play, but at what, what percentage of his health are we going to see him? I just like... This this Eagles team is, of any of the playoffs teams we're seeing, utterly limping into the playoffs. And it wasn't like an awfully impressive season for them. I just, I, like, I'm probably taking uh, the Seahawks almost no matter what the spread was going to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm going the other way. So I mentioned it's the first star for Wentz in the playoffs, but home underdogs in that situation are just two and four against the spread. Like, they haven't. Uh, it's a situation where they haven't necessarily been in a ton. So we have a lot less information about how those guys perform than some of the other situations like road underdogs, etc. Um, the one thing that I 
looked into was the whole West Coast to East Coast thing for for Seattle. Uh, I know that's something that I have talked about on the podcast before, um, but it really has become a lot less profitable over the years. So if you look back 2013 to 2012, teams in that situation were 57, 71, and 3 against the spread. That's a loss of around 17 units. From 2013 through this year, those teams have improved to 58, 40, and 4 against the spread, which is up almost 15 and a half units. So it seems like they, there's, I don't know if it's a combination of teams are traveling better now, uh, you know, they've gotten that thing more under control, or maybe that whole narrative is being overvalued uh, by the public. So the lines are inflated for the East Coast team in that situation. But regardless, I think we can throw it out the window here. Like this game is at 4.40 p.m. Eastern time. So it's not like this is a, you know, spot where we really have to worry about uh, Seattle being half asleep on the field. Like they should be fine for this contest. So I'm giving that very little uh, validity in the way I handicap this game. For me, it's just going back to, you know, fading Seattle uh, because they have been easily like the luckiest team in football this season. I saw a thing on Twitter where if you flip their record in one score games, they would be like four and 12, I think. Like they have lived by winning these close performances. And all the data suggests that that is something that is random from year to year. No team in the postseason has outperformed their Pythagorean expectation more than Seattle this year. Their Pythagorean win percentage is 17 points lower than their current win percentage. So they have just been massively lucky. And I think that eventually that luck has to run out. Uh, so I will take the Eagles here. Another thing I know that we mentioned that the public betting numbers don't really matter a ton in these contests, but 85% of the tickets so far coming in on Seattle. So like if there is a spot where you can get to be contrarian this week, it's with the Eagles. Every other game, you know, is is relatively 50-50. The Saints are 65%, but uh, you know, the Seahawks are just massive public favorites in this spot. And I just think that the Eagles are in terms of like DVOA and all that stuff like they don't they're they're in line with Seattle. Seattle has been lucky to get to where they are. So I'm going to take the Eagles here. I would love it if some of their guys suited up. I mean, it sounds like Zach Ertz, like you said, that might be uh, a tough one for him. But uh, Lane Johnson has been practicing. Like, that would be a big thing if they could get him back on the field. He hasn't played since week 14. Uh, Miles Sanders, going to try to play. But even if he's out, I don't think that matters a ton. Like, I like Boston Scott. I think that guy's got some Darren Sproles to him. So... Uh, I think the Eagles have enough is what I'm saying. I think they have enough talent to get this thing done. Uh, so I will take them as slight home underdogs here. So that brings us to the, uh, what we normally call the, uh, the, my pick five. We've got the, my bookie book it picks of the week. How, how about this? Because, um, we don't have the entire, you know, normally 16 games or whatever it happens to be. If it's in the middle with the bye weeks and all, how about we just pick one either over, under, or the spread in each game? That works for me. Um, I will say that I think we should also 
just highlight what our favorite pick of the week is. 100%. Yep. Okay. So we're going to have two that are the same. We're going to be on New England minus five and a half or minus five, whatever you can get the line at at the moment, and be over on the Vikings and the Saints game. Uh, I will be taking the Bills plus two and a half, and I will be taking the Eagles plus two. Um, I'm going to wait it out on both spreads. I'm hoping that we can get Buffalo to three. Uh, if that happens, I really like Buffalo getting a full field goal. But the way things stand right now, the Eagles are my favorite bet of the week. Um, you know, I, I know I mentioned I'm, I'm trying to be tentative with quarterbacks that are making their first postseason start, especially against a guy like Russell Wilson, who has tons of playoff experience. But I just think that this spread is, is way off. They're saying that Seattle is five points better than Philly on a neutral field. And I just don't see that. So I will be taking uh, the Eagles as my favorite bet of the week. Yeah, so it turns out my strategy outside of uh, my favorite bet of the week, which is just the Minnesota-New Orleans over, especially at my bookie, it's not uh, – some books it's 50. Right now it's at 49 and a half. Uh, outside of that one, my strategy was just to go against the the new starting quarterbacks in the playoffs because I have Houston, New England, and Seattle. Seattle minus two, New England uh, minus five. I believe that's what it's at at my bookie right now, so that's what will give us. And Houston minus two and a half. It turns out that the, I think I felt pretty close uh, about a lot of these. And when you tell me that the starting quarterbacks, the new starting quarterbacks to the playoffs have just gotten crushed – that's a, I'll take that as my big tiebreaker outside of some other reasons that I like those teams. So my favorite of the week was Minnesota, New Orleans over 49 and a half. And outside of that, I have Houston, New England and Seattle as the favorites in all their games. I'll take them against the spread versus the new quarterbacks. Yeah. It's interesting because one way or the other, a trend that has been my, you know, really profitable is going to lose, you know, like that Pythagorean trend has been super profitable and so has uh, you know, fading quarterbacks in their first postseason start. So those trends are directly opposing themselves in the first game and the last game. Uh, and it also comes into play in the other two games as well, but it's not, you know, like an opposing trend there. So it will be interesting to see, you know, which one of these trends reign supreme. I mean, it has been very easy to just fade the first time quarterbacks. So I'm hoping that, you know, if that data becomes more popular, like maybe the books are adjusting a little bit with some of these lines. And that's why, you know, the Buffalo spread and the Philly spread are off in my opinion, but I could be wrong. You know, maybe it really is as simple as just, you know, fading the the first time QBs. Like the only first time quarterback that, that covered last year in their debut was Patrick Mahomes. And he put together like the greatest quarterback season or one of the best quarterback seasons in history. So maybe there is, it is that simple. And I'll be looking back at the end of the weekend and just saying, you know, I, I way too overthought that one, but yeah, to be fair, Ryan Tannehill, I don't know if it's quite the greatest quarterback season in history, but the greatest quarterback season in 2019 is, uh, is arguably his. So he, maybe he is this year's Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I I would say doubtful, but (laughs) I I would agree. All right, uh, that's going to do it for this wild card edition of Laying the Points. We will be back next week with the divisional games. For Kyle, who you can find on Twitter, at KyleTweetsHere. I'm Matt LaMarca, at Matt LaMarca. Thanks for tuning in.